City on the Edge. Welcome back to City on the Edge after a uh, about a about a month and a half long break. More like just a month, I guess. We we broadcast in uh, in December. Um, yeah, but time's not real. <laughs> the time isn't real. Uh, we are your hosts, Ty Bannerman and Mike Smith. Hello, Mike Smith. We are missing. Um, we are missing Nora Hickey. She is off gallivanting about in uh, Vermont for the next month. Um, we had a, a. We were planning on including her in this podcast. She was going to be here uh, last Friday. But um, unfortunately, uh, there was about a half inch of snow on the ground in Albuquerque, so of course the entire city shut down completely. Look, I know people were joking about that, but <laughs> I had to drive that morning, and the roads were no, terrifying. It was, it was actually pretty awful. It was it, the ice, really, that it, was... I almost wrecked like nine times in ten minutes. It, yeah. like, it, it was at every intersection I'd have to pull my emergency <laughs> brake to not skid forward and hit traffic. People were going like five miles an hour. It was yeah, no, so it's true. Icy. And I saw lots of video people <laughs> were taking of uh, of um, drivers sliding up and oh. down like Gerard and yeah. anywhere there was a hill. I went out driving that evening and yeah. there was still ice on the roads. So yeah, I saw two wrecks in like a half mile. Yeah. You know, um, and it, like I said, we, we, we do like to make fun of our aversion to snow, but frankly, part of the deal is that our city's not equipped to deal with any ice on the road. Right, right. Not only can people not drive on it, but the city is, you know, probably got like one sand truck. Right, yeah. And, you know, one bag right. of Morton salt that they have to right. choose where they sprinkle very carefully. Right. I saw one later that day after, like, most of it had melted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good job. Where were you this morning? Yeah, exactly. But it's a big city, so. Yeah. Um, I have to say, personally, I was very excited when there was a two-hour delay that oh, yeah. morning, because that meant I got to sleep in. But That's then nice. when they, it was announced that uh, all the schools were shutting down, my oh, my yeah. joy turned immediately to despair, because right. that meant, of course, that my... Right. My uh, day of, of working at home and getting mm-hmm. stuff done had suddenly turned into day of having to deal with right. kids, right. Uh, all right. bored, trapped kids all day long. So and, yeah, and I like kids. I'm supposed to say, but the, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but it's great that they go someplace else for a little while every day. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, especially when I've got other things planned. Yeah. So um, so that's why Nora's not going to be here today. Uh, yeah. Now we're transitioning this week from uh, from viral Albuquerque to, mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess, bacterial Albuquerque. Uh, yes. The basic idea is we're, we're going to be discussing some of our favorite diseases mm-hmm. um, in town, uh, including the uh, the Black Death. Oh, yes. Kind of a, a storied one around here, and, uh, and tuberculosis, which had right. a lot of impact yeah. on, uh, on New Mexico as a whole, the Southwest right. as a whole, but Albuquerque in particular. Right. And Nora was going to talk about hantavirus, but she's off drinking syrup. Yep, exactly. <laughs> drinking syrup in Vermont. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. But before we got into that, I thought uh, we'd look at some of the local news. There's a, Sounds good. at least one story here that kind of caught my attention. Um, on uh, January 4th, the, uh, the Grant Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church Congregation's building housed in the Joylight Church of God in Christ... Uh, burned down. And uh, what's notable about this is that the Grant Chapel African Methodist Episcopal Church is actually New Mexico's oldest uh, black congregation, which uh-huh. is, I guess, one to say that it's a uh, 
it's a congregation that was uh, that was founded by African Americans and um, mainly existed, you know, exists to kind of promote that that spirituality in a uh, in a state that's not known for having a particularly large or, or prominent African American uh, population. But these guys have been um, been here for. Uh, Forever, and mm-hmm. um, this church was a big part of the civil rights struggle and so forth back in the 1952. It's very sad. Yeah, so it is. It is sad that they actually uh, that it, they burned down. And it may have been arson. There's some graffiti connected with it. Is that right? There's some graffiti. Yeah. So yeah, so. hopefully that's just Awful. a coincidence. But um, it is possible that there's a, a racist aspect to it as well. Um, so I wanted to give a little kind of. Shout out and point anybody who's interested in uh, in helping out over to the um, to their GoFundMe page, which uh, they're hoping to raise fifteen thousand dollars to kind of do some repairs of their historic building. Absolutely, a, a, yeah. a historically important building. You've seen this building if you've driven around Albuquerque. You've seen it. It's very distinctive. Yeah, it's down on South it, Broadway. Right, Is that right? right? Yeah. Okay, so it's um if you go to their GoFundMe page, just look up Joylight Church Fire. Recovery Fund, yeah. and uh, you can donate there, and uh, we wish them mm-hmm. all the best. And we'd like to, you know, maybe talk to them at some point about the history of the of the organization. That might be a great future right. episode, you know. Also, another good thing you can do if you're the kind of person that uh, burns down churches is. Go somewhere really far away from everybody else. <laughs> Stay the hell away from people and read some books and work on yourself. And don't burn down churches? Seriously. Of any kind. Yeah. yeah I'd say don't burn down any churches. Don't burn down anything. Ugh. It's been a big year for arson. Uh, I guess last year was the big year for arson. Yeah. Now starting in this year. We yeah. had the guy burn down um, uh, the Old Navy, the yeah. the Starbucks, the... And black churches have been burned all across the South the last right. couple of years. It's There's horrible. Too, Man. So. Go on Twitter and you will despair for humanity. I just can't believe just the overt racism. Racists are so empowered right now. It's crazy. I yeah. Just, ugh. And just, I, man, I don't know. Didn't there used to be this idea that, like, we work on bettering ourselves? We work on, like, like right. becoming just better people that we just, we, we build on things? I, God, man, having recently taught uh, college... You were mm-hmm. there. You, yeah. you, you yeah. taught at that same place. Um, <laughs> you didn't see the scare quotes, but he used scare quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, I, I like a student turned in uh, something about starting forest fires and just like doing it for fun. And just like, was it a very remorseful essay? No, it was like youthful. No? Ah, I was young. Ha ha ha. Forest yeah. fires, you know, just what? I think. You know, no matter like, <laughs> who you are, we can all work on bettering ourselves, oh, right? God, like, man. try to not give in to your worst tendencies to set fires, um, whether they be churches or, I mean, yeah, don't set fire to the Starbucks either. I, yeah. I can say that. No, that was right. a I young, mean, misguided, misguided. Yeah, like you said, um, a Fight Club viewer. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody who took the lessons of Fight Club to uh, a little too far. Oh man. Um, Don't yeah. Just... But he is in jail now, so that's good. Oh man. All right. Shall anyway. we? Um, <laughs> shall we move on to a uh, a more comforting topic that everyone could enjoy the uh, the Black Plague or oh. tuberculosis? Yeah, let's talk about tuberculosis. That's kind of historic and quaint. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> an old an old problem. Um, okay. So. <laughs> For those of you who do not know, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we just go right into the piece because it kind of gives a little, oh, okay, a little okay. overview of it. Great. Yeah, Ty wrote um, something up. It's awesome, Ty. Okay. We'll go Yay. ahead and uh, start in on tuberculosis in Albuquerque. All right. 
They called it the White Plague. And in 1913, 50% of Albuquerque's population either had it or shared their household with someone who did. 90% of those sufferers were born in other states and had fled west at the instruction of their doctors, and the city's population was exploding as a result. Central Avenue, which had begun life as railroad and would later enter its golden age as US 66, was now granted another name by a wily macabre populace, Tuberculosis Avenue, lined by the sanatoriums that were rapidly coming to define the city in the eyes of the world. For over a century, the tuberculosis epidemic had ravaged through American and European society. The disease spread quickly and mysteriously. Its symptoms, bloody cough, fever, chills, and a rapidly wasting physique were debilitating, lingering, and almost always fatal. The science of the day had yet to find a cure and instead grasped at straws. In desperation, doctors prescribed thrice daily bleedings, marathon horseback rides, and a myriad of other red herring treatments that did little besides distract the patient. In the late 1800s, cause and cure were linked to climate. The humid, hot airs of sea-level environments were blamed for TB's spread. The exotic, high, dry mountains were looked to for salvation. In the U.S., go west were the doctor's orders. For many American patients, west meant New Mexico, and quite often Albuquerque. City boosters, such as the Albuquerque Commercial Club, saw tuberculosis as a potential great boon for their growing city and sought to attract ailing and wealthy Easterners with hyperbolic claims like, without exception, Albuquerque has the finest climate the year round to be found in the United States. New Mexico is the world's sanitarium for consumptives and Albuquerque is the driest and most healthful spot in the territory. So ran the patter in Albuquerque, New Mexico's chief city of a new empire of the great Southwest, a 1908 brochure printed to feed the city's emerging TB industry. And the afflicted came in droves. The Albuquerque population exploded, and although no specific records were kept on the number of tuberculosis patients who arrived from the East in those early years, contemporary reports speak of them in thousands and multitudes. St. Joseph's Sanatorium was the first tuberculosis treatment facility in Albuquerque. It opened in 1902 and quickly became successful. Like most of the sanatoriums, St. Joseph's was a self-contained community unto itself. It had its own telegraph lines, water tower, and heating plant, which was necessary for the comfort of the residents who were often encouraged to sleep with their windows open even in winter. Others soon joined it. Methodist Deaconess, Shortle, whose facilities still exist relatively intact today, Sipes, Hillcrest, Albuquerque and Presbyterian sanatoriums all built facilities in the area. Most of them had one or more doctors and residents, a great boon to the nascent city's medical community for decades to come. Of course, tuberculosis did not limit itself exclusively to the Easterners who arrived in Albuquerque. Despite advertising materials that suggested that Native Americans were immune to the disease, many soon became afflicted, necessitating the construction of an Indian hospital, which still stands today just east of UNMH. Due to both the beliefs behind climatology and the medical limitations of the time, recuperating in the southwestern climate mainly consisted of getting plenty of rest. Patients spent their days reclining in chaise lounge chairs. The ubiquitous use of the chaise lounge gave rise to a popular bit of wordplay. TB patients were said to be chasing the cure. 
Patients with high enough energy were encouraged to participate in various low-key leisure activities such as knitting, playing musical instruments, or even putting on plays. However, if their disease advanced to a sufficient degree, it was likely that the doctors would rule out any activity at all, scolding such a patient for even reading a book. The small cottages for recuperating consumptives were designed more for quick construction and portability than for comfort. Usually quite small in size, they offered little more than a bed and perhaps a small kitchen area. The hope was that patients in the cottages would soon be fully recovered and able to leave the sanatorium for good. The all-too-often realized fear was that their condition would worsen and they would need to be transferred to the central facilities of the sanatorium, where treatment consisted of palliatives as the patient lingered and often died. By 1910, Albuquerque had a population of 13,000 people, 3,000 of whom were tuberculosis patients. And by 1920, according to North Valley resident Irene Fishstein, the sheer number of sick Easterners regularly arriving in town gave rise to a peculiar expression. You either came to Albuquerque for your health or for horse stealing. By the 1940s, the tuberculosis epidemic was at an end, thanks to the widespread usage of antibiotics. As a result, New Albuquerque's first business boom came to a close and faded from the memories of most of the population of the modern city. But the disease's impact is still felt. Presbyterian Sanatorium became Presbyterian Hospital, one of the largest in the state. The old TB cottages can still be found in varying states of repair in neighborhoods throughout the city, and the ruins of old TB camps can be found in the eastern mountains. Many of the city's most famous names, Clyde Tingley, John Gaw Meem, UNM President Scholl, all came to the city to treat their TB. Even the first sanatorium in the city, St. Joseph's, still survives as a hospital, although it is now a part of the Loveless Medical Center, named for Dr. William Randolph Loveless, a tuberculosis physician who had himself suffered from the disease. Today, the signs and memories of tuberculosis are all around us, a dim echo of those who suffered to create the world we live in. It is strange that something so awful could settle peacefully to the floor of our existence, but there it is, a quiet layer of the fertile soil from which the present has sprung. So TB is the uh, the cornerstone of our of our city, I think, yeah. and its modern population boom. Our cornerstone is a big block of disease. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a very abrupt ending, Ty. That's unusual for you. You don't usually just. <laughs> I can... Yeah. Um, no, it's a. Uh, I didn't know that about. So tuberculosis avenue. That was just a nickname for. Right, right, right. It wasn't yeah. actually called okay. that. Yeah, I could see that. So many people came here. I mean, any like if we have any notable literary figures from that time, they they all came here because either they had TB or a family member had mm-hmm. TB or some something like that. I think of Conrad Richter, who we should do an episode on sometimes. He Did came, they come out for TB? He came out because his wife had tuberculosis, uh, and that okay. biography of Richter is great. I got to uh, show his biographer all around. Um, uh, the Cedar Crest Resort where he had stayed and okay. show, show him all the so stuff. So where's the Cedar Crest Resort? Uh, it's up in Cedar Crest. It's like at mile marker two on uh, on uh, North 14. Okay. And the, the main house is still there. It's covered in green stucco now. But that was... he he Carl Webb, who founded that place, was a patient at the Well Country Camp just down the road, mm-hmm. which later became Hobby's Mountain Ranch. And... Um, and, uh, and... So Carl Webb was a patient there, and then he... Uh, 
he founded his own place and he was so sick when he founded it. He would just like lie in bed for days. And then when he had some energy, he'd get up and build another cabin. Right. And which is like, people were made of different stuff back then. That sounds unfathomable to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, I'll get up and watch a movie. Right. 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 Uh, But, uh, it's, you know, the, uh, but yeah, so that that's that resort is still up there, and there were a number of resorts in the mountains and in town. There were, quite, mm-hmm. you know, there was Casa Loma up there also, um, and uh, and and just you know that was the thing you could do: build a little right. resort, put some cabins up. You know, and, I mean, it wasn't much of a cure. It was really a roll of the dice still. The, yeah, well, you know, it, the, it did nothing to help yeah. you. Uh, basically, you either got better or you didn't, yeah. and it was probably about the same rates. I personally, I don't join in the fresh air and sunshine don't work because I think they're kind of good cures for almost anything. They kind of they help at least, don't you think? Like it's, I mean, you'll at least feel better while you're dying. Well, I guess it, it depends on whether you believe in uh, in science. No, no, I, no, of course I believe in science, but but I'm just saying, like, look, would you do you think you're gonna feel better or recover better if you're in a stuffy room somewhere with a bunch of other sick patients, or right, if you're like right. out in the woods? Yeah, the woods well, are awesome. I, I don't, you know? I don't think there's any evidence that any that people survived at greater rates because of no, the I think you're right. No, I think you're absolutely right, but I um, bet they enjoyed it more. And they and, might have enjoyed it more. And hey, they got to take a trip. And also, like part of any getting better from anything is like the mental recovery of mm-hmm. willing yourself sure. to get better. Once you give up, right. you know you're done. But I mean, these places were fun. If you look at the photos of the Well Country Camp, I mean, yes, they were they dying. Were fun if you were rich. That's true. They were, but that's predominantly who they yeah they catered exactly. To. The people coming from the east yeah. were tended to be wealthy, and they could have their own little private cottages. The photos all have like costume parties and like you yeah. Know, the it first radio in the Sandias was right. set up for the TV patients. Printed their own newspaper. First newspaper, and, the Kilbloom uh, Gazette up there. Yeah, you know. Um, so certainly, like yeah. uh, you had some. Uh, I think people of uh, leisure, people yeah. of, with education. Um, a lot of them came out to New Mexico for the first time because yeah. of that, and I think that that That's really true. impacted the uh, the trajectory it classed of, us up uh, a little of bit, the yeah. state. Yeah. Well, it's, you look at the um, like I said, you look at the list of names of uh, of people who served as presidents of the university. Mm. Many of them came out yeah. because of tuberculosis. Yeah. Um, many of the, mo- a, a large number of the early doctors and medical uh, medical staff of the of the, uh, the city where, where people who either came out to treat tuberculosis Truth. or who had it themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think its yeah. impact can be, uh, can be overstated. It's true. It's why we have such good hospitals now. Like, right, I mean, it's, right. it's, it's, uh, I heard, uh, Mark Marin did a two part back in Albuquerque special, you know, the comedian oh, yeah. who grew up here and, um, has that popular podcast WTF, you know, right. Yeah. I'm I saying know. this for our listeners too. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, he did a two-part where he came back, and he was just driving around wondering, like, why do we have so many hospitals here? I never realized that. This is why. They, well, they, were, they were all sanitariums. His father is is a, uh, well, he's retired slash disgraced. Right. Um, but he, he was a surgeon here. I'm sure he was aware of uh, New Mexico's right. medical history. But then I guess he and his dad don't really get along. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw them at, the, at one of his events, and they were talking. And yeah, out, but, but they had a reconciliation on the show, oh, so yeah. it had been yeah. a while, I think. And he operated on your foot, is that right? Yeah, That's exactly. Hilarious. And if anybody knows Mark Marin, you should tell him that I really would like to interview him about his Albuquerque experience oh, one of yeah. these days. Yeah. Um, Me too. I've sent some emails, uh, but I guess he's too busy talking to President Obama yeah, and that kind Bruce of thing to uh, 
to yeah. listen to, to somebody from his old hometown. Way to forget your roots, Master. Way to forget. No, yeah. um, no he, did, he comes back and does those EPC uh, Endorphin sure. Power Company benefits and stuff like that. Right, that's, that's right, his credit. right, right. Um, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's interesting. But, you know, I shouldn't say that it was fun. Yes, they were goofy and they were trying to keep their spirits up and all that well, stuff. They but were They were also dying. They were also coughing blood. And right. <laughs> spitting into cups constantly. Yes. You know, um, uh. And I think something that doesn't get mentioned a lot is that, of course, they, the increased number of people with tuberculosis here coming from another place True. brought the disease out to uh, New Mexico in, in greater oh, yeah. greater numbers than it had yeah. seen before. I mean, the, when they were saying, you know, I mentioned in the piece that the original um, advertising material said basically that nobody gets tuberculosis in New Mexico. Oh, well, lies. Part of it was that yeah. there just weren't a bunch of people bringing it to, the, to yeah. the state at that point. I have a lot of great early paraphernalia from that stuff, booklets about in the heart of the heart of the well country. Yes, heart it, of the well, yeah. well country. One of one of my uh, one of my favorites. I guess it wasn't in the heart of the heart that was that book. Um, <laughs> the uh, but the heart of the well country yeah. was uh, one of Albuquerque's yeah. uh, branded names of, at that point. One of my favorites has uh, a woman sitting in a chaise lounge on the cover. It's done in kind of an Art Deco illustrated oh, okay. style, and she's like doing her nails with a little filing thing. Right. Well, a young Native American man is making a pot for her at her feet. Ah, uh, like, okay. Wow, Lovely. that's not incredibly <laughs> problematic in a thousand ways. Yeah. But, well, I mean, there was a reason. Also, <laughs> I think that they were sort of separate from the population too. I mean, yeah. these these uh, sanatoriums were springing up in the sand hills outside of town. Mm-hmm. They were resort communities. They were like yeah. when you go to Mexico to. Uh, yeah. You know the Yucatan yeah. resorts. You aren't in the little the little towns and cities of the of the local population. You're outside yeah. of it, and it was the same thing for uh, for the Easterners at that point. Yeah, that's crazy. I, uh, UNM did an exhibit on like par- paraphernalia from the sanatoriums, mm-hmm. and did you go to that? Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I remember talking I about that with you. Yeah, and they had like lung siphoning machines. Oh and- yeah. Horrible, horrible-looking devices. All those sputum cups, which is a phrase yeah. you should just never say. <laughs> well, and that's why the spittoon became a popular yeah. thing in the West. You yeah. know, you look at all the old. Uh, is that true? Yeah, huh. because people were spitting yeah. to get the um, to get the you know the, as they coughed up blood, they were spitting to get that Gross. that stuff out, and so spittoons became popular, and also oh, handheld spittoons. Oh, I thought it was uh, about little cups. Okay, huh. weird, man. No, but. It's neat to see those ruins and try to think about that stuff. You know, it's okay. a, it, it's a, I love going up and seeing the old well country camp still uh, to me is like, one of the things I want to find is the well country camp up in the Sandy is their first location back when it was called camp kill gloom with all K's. Yeah. Don't do that. People come on. <laughs> and, and, uh, when it was called camp kill gloom was in bear Canyon. Okay. So I was just hiking in with my son yesterday and I'm wondering like, where was that? Was there any remnant of it up I, there? I've never seen a picture of it when it was there. But if you go to the library at Edith and Central, the old downtown mm-hmm. one, um, they uh, they have all the old newspapers bound. Yeah. I know you've looked through them, too. And um, there's sketches of it. And there were tents and there were outhouses and stuff like that. So that must be up there somewhere. There are some amazing trash piles somewhere up Bear Canyon. Okay. There's, a, there's an excavation that could be done. Right. It just seems like no one cares about this stuff. I'm always like, why are... It, it is a weirdly forgotten yeah. portion of our of our town's history. Yeah. Like, and, uh, maybe, it's good. maybe it's embarrassing. Maybe it's gross. Maybe it's... Well, I think uh, that that was a part of it was huh. there was a stigma associated with coming into yeah. uh, Albuquerque with... 
Hmm. Tuberculosis. Yeah. It was a disease. Right. You know, it's like, a lunger. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Lunger? I never yeah, knew. Yeah. Because it's your lungs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any favorite, like, tuberculosis sites? Oh, man. Interesting well, I, places I think the go. Well Country Camp, which is on Penny Lane, it's also private property. Now, so this don't is on the, the East Mountains. That's in the East Mountains, yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. How do you get there? Um, you just drive uh, east through to Harris Canyon, north on North 14, and then you'll see, a, like, a, I think it's a Methodist church on your left. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong about the Methodist part, but um, it's called Penny Lane, and... Uh, it's named after Penny Hobby. It was, this this TB camp was called Hobby's Mountain Ranch later okay. in the fifties, and that's why there's a whole chapter on it in my book. Towns of the Sandia Mountains available <laughs> wherever. I don't care. I get like a dollar, and uh, and uh, uh, it, it's up there. And there's just all the little cabins. There's the main building that was the cafeteria, right. etc. Until recently, there was the old uh, this old engine that was used for cut. To, it was hooked up to a power saw. Um, you can see pictures of the tuberculosis patients cutting wood. They were all encouraged to do manual labor and like okay. be active and stuff. Interesting. Um, but the, and uh, Casa Loma survived just by um, a road name. That's not really okay. there. And there's some. I think a couple of the cabins are still there, repurposed as houses mm-hmm. or uh, as ruins in the in the Forest Park area there. Um, yeah, there a lot, lot of stuff. If you just wander around up there, Cedar Crest, of course, the, all the little cabins from the Cedar Crest Resort right. are still there. Um, but those are private property as well. So it's hard to see some of this stuff unless you, um, you know, meet the right people. And No, in Albuquerque, yeah. there's more there's, accessible places. Yeah. Uh, Presbyterian yeah. Hospital itself, of course, yeah. still yeah. has some of the old TB yeah. Yeah. buildings associated with it. There's a, a part of it that it's kind of behind the main hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, to the south, the southwest portion of the hospital is an out-of-place building. Looks like something that, um, mm. I don't know, it looks very Californian to me, mm-hmm. like something that would have been in L.A. back in the 30s. And that's when it was built it was in the 30s in, uh, in New Mexico. Um, it's called the Maytag Building. Mm. And uh, it was oh, a state-of-the-art yeah. TB research facility mm. um, back in the 30s. And uh, it's now I don't know what they use it for. It's got a lot of uh, hazardous waste yeah. ma- material signs all over it. Yeah. Um, in the neighborhood around the Albuquerque Press Club, uh, of course, the Albuquerque Press Club itself was used for people who were recuperating mm-hmm. from uh, tuberculosis. They would uh, sleep on the porch. That's it right, was rented yeah. out to them. But in that neighborhood, uh, some of those old houses with very prominent porches mm. were uh, built by people who were suffering from the disease uh, and recuperating. The idea being that if you expose yourself to fresh air, you're, you're better off. St. Joseph's Hospital on um, Martin Luther King, west mm-hmm. of the highway. Uh, is still there. It's owned by um, Loveless, as yeah. I uh, as I mentioned. Um, in fact, a few years ago, they were they were building a new parking lot, and they discovered that there was a uh, a graveyard. Oh wow! Um, probably for people who had died from uh, from oh, TB wow. there. Um, and that was real. You know, the one of the saddest man. I don't. You know, we we talk about history sometimes as if, as if it's the separate thing, mm-hmm. and I feel like recently we've seen oh. The world can change really fast, and crazy stuff can happen, and like yeah. it never stops. And even the most dusty historical thing has some connection to our present. Like, I interviewed a woman once who um, her mom had died in the Cedar Crest Resort in I think 1931, right? And she just couldn't stop crying. She was just—it was such a sad thing. Or she had been a kid when it had happened, and yeah. it had hit her at the most traumatic time. And even though she was an old, old woman when I interviewed her, it was still so fresh and raw. And you realize, like. 
Yeah, this is just a horrible disease. It's not. It's yeah, just, it's just something terrible. You it know? is weirdly uh, romanticized. I think it is because there's uh, movies and you know yeah, it's like Chopin had it right. It was uh, written about a lot too. That doesn't hurt. You know, like, yeah. You know, it's like a lot of writers and well, and it also crossed uh, class lines oh, in a yeah. way that not a lot of diseases do. Interesting. Um, where you know wealthy people. Would mm. Get tuberculosis as well, yeah. Uh, as as the poor, so it wasn't a disease of the poor, yeah. like cholera or something right. like that. Right. It was a disease of the uh, the wealthy. Oh, so a yeah. lot of famous people had it. Um, I read a book called Tuberculosis by I believe Elaine Lando, and um, it talked about it, tuberculosis evolving into like super tuberculosis. Yeah, and we're that, dealing with that now. In Africa and elsewhere in, re, in response to antibiotics and stuff. That, yeah, there oh, is. Man, Re- medically resistant tuberculosis is a thing. Oh. In fact, there's been a few scares here in, yeah. in Albuquerque. Uh, a few patients who Terrifying. have been uh, quarantined in yeah. uh, like UNMH. I don't, um, want, I don't want to freak our listeners out, but you probably have it right now. You might have tuberculosis. Um, I remember there was a bus, uh, somebody came, I believe from Mexico, actually. Uh, there was a patient with medically resistant, um, tuberculosis who was quarantined. And so they were going to every place that bus had stopped and telling everybody who had been on the bus and so forth that they needed to go get tested. Oh my gosh. It's it's alarming. You never know. It could come back. I seem to remember a a scare on an airplane some time ago too, a few years back. Do you remember Mm. that? Somebody, someone like on a airplane, like... I think Atlanta was connected to Oh, Atlanta. here's one uh-huh. I remember. When uh-huh. I had cancer. <laughs> Ty had to, cancer. I had cancer. I went to the cancer center, and um, afterwards, <laughs> there had been a, uh, oh gosh, it was a, vac- it was a vaccine. They were giving vaccines to people, and um, they, the, uh, a needle got reused, but they didn't know which needle got re- reused, and at least one of the per- people that they used it on later came down with, with uh, tuberculosis, oh so my they, gosh. they sent out this letter to everybody who had been at the uh, the hospital that day that if you had been, you know, getting your uh, oh, getting yeah. your shots, then you really needed to come and no uh, more letting the new guy do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't don't oh, reuse needles. Terrifying, horrible. Yeah, it's uh, you know, w- one interesting aspect of it is it really did affect the architecture of Albuquerque. You see those uh, the two things I think of are, are hipped roofs, these little yeah. pyramidal. They're, you know, four triangle, four triangle roofs around right. kind of a square. If you go up to Canyon Cito in the mountains, you see those things everywhere. These little tiny cabins. They were cheap. They're yeah. basically like the first, what do they call those now? Like micro homes or whatever. Yeah, very you know? small. Yeah, very small, it, um, but very well ventilated. I mean, it right. was fresh air, high altitude sunshine. It was, it was like, they thought, even if it's snowing, who cares? And then the other thing are those vestibular porches that were mm. screened in back in the day, but that now are, generally they put windows in and they're just part of the house where they're like a vestibule for coats and hats. You see those everywhere. It, it's uh, Chris Wilson has a couple of really good books about local architecture. He also wrote The Myth of Santa Fe, which is excellent. Right. Um, but uh, he has one on on buildings around the UNM area, and that's really like the defining architectural yes. trait of those buildings. They all had those screened-in porches that people were sleeping on to save their lives, they thought. Well, and one of the uh, one of the ways that architecture was impacted was uh, John Gaumim. He, oh, he uh, came out here because of... He was born oh. in Brazil, hmm. um, but he contracted tuberculosis, and... New Mexico was uh, considered one of the uh, the places mm. that was most effective for uh, for treating it, and um, and he came to Santa Fe 
Sun Mountain Sanatorium in mm. 1920, and oh, he is the one uh, who is, he's the man probably credited the most for designing modern Southwest architecture. That's, cool. that's, that's the kind yeah. of, uh, the flat roof houses, the, you know, obviously very influenced by both like Pueblo, traditional Pueblo architecture and Spanish architecture, totally. but, you know, for modern buildings, yeah. um, he designed a number of buildings on UNM campus, mm. uh, all across town, all across. Uh, I like that guy. Uh, Santa Fe. He designed the duck pond at UNM. Did Isn't he? That weird, yeah. Oh, that that's is a, weird. That's one of his projects. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I know that originally that that was going to have like a sequoias bringing mm. water to it oh, from all across cool. campus. It would have been cool, but not very good for the use of water. Sure, probably. yeah. yeah. Uh, but he did design the. He definitely designed the uh, the chapel. Oh yeah. There at UNM. People always and, get married um, there. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, what he else? Renovated uh, Chimayo. Oh yeah, the uh, Santuario de Chimayo, which was cool because if you look at uh, houses before that, it was really there was really no one style. I mean, yes, yeah. there were the like the the native and the uh, Hispanic styles, but but it was really like people were trying to make New Mexico just more of the East. Yeah, so, exactly. I think he you know? he popularized yeah. the traditional Southwestern yeah. style for yeah. Immig- immigrants from yeah. other parts of the United States. He was like, "Look, you got this beautiful, yeah. like architecture that grew, like that that grew out of the available resources in in yeah. where you are. That makes sense for where you are." He's the reason uh, I live in a square brown yeah. house yeah. Uh, <laughs> in the middle of Albuquerque. I like it. You know, I love it actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I know people complain about it sometimes, but I, I think they're wrong. You know it gives us something that's unique. You don't see that yeah. in other states so much. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, it's it's I'm, and there's yeah. good examples and bad examples. Of I course, guess, yeah. Sometimes I see like wooden ladders leaning on people's apartment complexes, and I think, yeah. look, like the Zuni aren't coming to raid your <laughs> your your apartment or whatever. Right, right, it's a right. little ridiculous. No, I think fu- function uh, is important. It's <laughs> it's yeah. It's trying to find that like uh, yeah. It's just I <laughs> anyway. Oh man, no, that that's that's interesting. You know, and, and it is um. I don't know. I like it here. I like what we have. I like our weird history. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, that's interesting. So when, what was the, who made the leap from like Pueblo style to Pueblo Deco style? Do you know anything about like where that came from? Uh, I know that, um, President Tite was, uh, an early proponent. So that's, that's, uh, the president of the University of right, New Mexico, right. Tite, uh, was an early proponent of modernizing Pueblo design for, mm-hmm. uh, Applications other than traditional oh, pueblos, right? So he, and and when when President Tite first remodeled Hodgen Hall on UNM mm-hmm. campus, it was extremely controversial, hmm. and it may have even cost him his job. Uh, it's not clear that that's exactly what happened, but certainly there was a lot of outcry about him Interesting. remodeling this old Victorian style uh, building into a uh, into a pueblo style one. Um, but John Galmim is really the guy who made it cool. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Well, it's, it, it, you know, if it's done well, it's a beautiful, clean architecture. It just, it, look, it looks nice, stuff. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it looks good. Um, yeah, that's, uh, Bill Bryson wrote about New Mexico really disparagingly in one of his books where he drove across America, yeah. like something about small towns or something. I like Bill Bryson a lot, but I really did not enjoy how he... Some he, people don't get it, he, man. Man, he wrote about, uh, like, turning to the radio stations and it all just sounded like, 
you know, people were being punched in the groin or something like that, you know, and it's just, and he was talking about like Frontera music and stuff. And it's like, dude, you might not be into it, but that's, there's like a yeah, whole lot on, of history okay. there. Yeah. Or he talked about Santa Fe being all Adobe. There's no, there's like two Adobe buildings in Santa Fe. Well, it's freaking a fair stu- number of Adobe. It's but... stucco. It's totally it's different. Yeah. It's totally different. He doesn't even know what he was talking about. Well, I think, uh, it, yeah, you, you call like, um, like this house is not Adobe, right? Right. It's right, yeah. it's stuccoed cement block. Yeah. Um, Adobe is, doesn't really last long yeah. enough. You know, Old Town has a fair number of Adobe yeah. houses that have been sort of like shored up. And Santa Fe around the plaza, there are some. Yeah. But not by no means all. Yeah. Um, well, any other yeah. thoughts about tuberculosis? Tuberculosis, uh, man. Um, you told speaking of tight, who you mentioned earlier, you told me something interesting once that that group of trees near the corner of University and Central Tights Grove, is yeah. called Tights Grove. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Yeah, I he uh, he he uh, convinced the students to bring a bunch of trees down from the huh. mountains. So old ponderosa pines are there. Oh, those were transplanted. Uh, How interesting. Yeah, huh. and of course the Astufa on UNM campus, which is that funny little oh, yeah. round building on uh, campus drive in Redondo. Man, uh, Redondo by University, yeah. I guess. Uh, that's one of the very first uh, Pueblo-style buildings yeah. in the... Uh, we talked about that in our live episode. Yeah. I drove by that a couple months ago, and the door was open. I, I could have gone in, and my Should've kids were it. like, take us to the party. Nope. We were going somewhere, and they wouldn't let me stop and check it out. Jeez. That's all right. You don't need to be arrested for breaking Little in the again. <laughs> I would have just walked in there. Um, the uh, What else? Um I don't know. Yeah. I found someone that had almost been murdered in that grove once. He was oh, oh. just like in a giant halo of blood on the grass. It was Good horrible. Lord. I had to wait with him for the ambulance. Um, Albuquerque. Well, um, so we talk about the plague? Let's talk about We're the plague. We're going to talk a little bit about the other kind of big famous disease yeah. here. Um, so what? the plague, the Black Plague. Uh, so. Famous for killing thousands and thousands yeah. and thou- hundreds of thousands of Europeans yeah. back in like the 1300s. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can still get it here in New Mexico and in other par- portions of the Southwest. It's really weird, but there are still like kind of a couple of dozen plague cases a year in America. And almost all of them are in New Mexico. Yeah, it is, or... Uh, California sometimes too. So, yeah, no, they, they turn up here and there also, but like we have the the total bulk of the plague cases. Like, so we're number one. Yeah, yeah. Here, let's. So number one for the plague. We. Um, one yeah. of the many many yeah. sort of undesirable things that New Mexico is, uh, is yeah. number one for. Do you know that for a fact? Is that we not, really are the the first? We're we're in we're plague? plague town, man. We're like this is it, and not just New, not just Albuquerque in this area. In fact, usually they're pretty vague about when they announce where these things hit. They don't want to be like you know everyone in this town freak out, or and they don't want to single out people because it's such a you know badge yeah. of notoriety to to have. But um, yeah, we have we have a lot of plague cases here. There's now we're lot- specifically talking about the bubonic plague, right? You know, I don't know that these are necessarily the bubonic plague, but th- there's three different strains of it apparently okay. that come from the same bacteria. Okay. And um, you know, I this was first on my radar. I was in a an amazing class that like I I have continued to think about ever since taught by Sally Denton, the Western historian at UNM back when I was an undergrad. And she had a couple of friends from Santa Fe who uh, came in and talked to the class. And the guy had had both of his feet amputated because he had gotten the plague. Whoa. He had been in a coma for months. Um, she had, had been affected as well. They, they were from Santa Fe. They think they got it from a woodpile. 
mm-hmm. um, that was next to like the, an outdoor hot tub. They were writers. They, had, you know, he was. I think he was a, tri- oh, okay. a trial okay. lawyer. So there's well. and, and this is this disease is spread by by fleas. Yeah, by right? by by rodents, fleas. It's it's by a, a bacteria, I guess. There's it's, a bacteria it's, it's, it's that lives them, in yeah. the flea. Like yeah. you can't just get it from breathing. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, and uh, so they came and talked to our class, and it just like horrified me. It was so terrifying. They they said they had always they had been aware of that because that's like you live yeah. in New Mexico, you're aware you of, hear some about of this it. stuff. They tried they to be careful about it. One or two, two to three yeah. cases a year. But they had like... a wood pile that was too near to this hot yeah. tub, apparently. And uh, it, they had gotten bitten, and then they went to New York. They mm-hmm. left Santa Fe, and they went to New York City. And while there, and this was in the post-9-11 uh, anthrax era where like uh, everyone okay. was terrified of everything, and we were all just like, oh, crap, what's the next attack gonna, form going to take? Right. People thought it was some sort of um, you know, a biological weapon or something like that when it first, when it first hit. But uh, he was in a, co- a medically induced coma for a long time, and during that time, his limbs just started, you know, uh, blackening, and 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 uh, he, he ended up with both of his feet amputated when he woke up. But I, I'll never forget him telling the class that he, he was sentient, like aware oh, during the entire coma. God. <laughs> and he said the things that he experienced and that felt incredibly real to him during that time were so horrifying that he never even told his wife what they were. What could wow. that have been? What's so bad that you can't tell your partner that right, right, w- right. what went down? Like, well, was, let's let's back up a bit. What okay. exactly is the plague? It's uh well, I mean, I think most people are familiar with the plague as like the thing that killed a third of Europe, you know, yeah. back, back in back in the day. Uh, huge sores called boo-boos, you know, like yeah. boobos that are like uh, giant swollen uh, bumps. Right, right. Yeah. Painful. Right? Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Super painful. Uh, super high lethality rate. Um, it says know. here the Black Death is thought to have destroyed 30 to 60% of Europe's population. Oh, my gosh. Um, as of like 1346 or so. Oh, my gosh. So this is this is the same yeah. bacteria. Yeah. Um, perhaps a slightly different strain than what uh, yeah. ravaged through Europe. Yeah. Originated in China, spread yeah. through the through Europe, brought it to America. Hit ancient Rome pretty hard once. They had a lot of people mm. die during one of the, the plague's first right. major major epidemics. Um, and then in the 1800s, it killed like 80,000 in China and perhaps 12 right. million in India. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, it's it's around. Still can do some damage. Still here. It's yeah. you know we, I, I like. You were saying earlier, not on the podcast, but I thought this was a great quote from you, um, talking about how the goal of history is to be apart from history, to like be to be separate from it. To you know? stop history. Yeah, just to like be like, now we're fine. Now Finally, we're not. Affected. We figured it all out. We won. Yeah, right. I think I think there's really something to that. But the fact is, is we're still these fragile organic yeah, machines, yeah, and exactly. we're still susceptible to all this stuff. And you know, our our wisest medicines and all this stuff. So what does it do to you? The plague. Um, fever, chills, flu-like symptoms, swollen lymph nodes, um, swollen everything. Swollen, it seems, it yeah. seems like it's pretty bad. Like, it's gross. It, it seems like you pretty much have to be hospitalized once you get it. Like, yeah. It's a lot of pain. Yeah. Right? Please, if pain. you have the plague, go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just go out to that show you wanted to go to. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad stuff. And... I don't know why it seems to be so prevalent here in New Mexico. Is it that we That's have what I was a lot of open desert, a lot of... 
I, you know, dogs. having lived in places where like fleas are much more prevalent, like I don't even give my dogs flea medication yeah. here. Like they just don't have them as far as I can tell. Oh. Whereas when I lived in Austin, the dogs had fleas all the time and you oh. had to give them a thing to keep the yeah. fleas off of them. So it's weird that uh, a flea borne illness would be more prevalent right. here than right. in a place like Austin or Houston. Right. I would hate for this to be like used in anti-prairie dog propaganda because I love prairie dogs. <laughs> I think they're great. I would like to invite Donald Trump and his cabinet to come tour the prairie dog villages here. <laughs> I'll stand on the edge in a surgical mask. But, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> the, no. No. Yeah. Um, uh, no. Sounds like FBI <laughs> inciting talk. Yeah. There. No, you're right. Okay. All right. No, I just oh want to see God. the prairie dogs. I like, so yeah, no, but yeah, but because maybe because we just have a lot of open space and a lot okay. of wildness and so on, you know, like it, it's. I mean, last year there were something. There were thirty plus cases, I think, with of, the dogs of an, and cats of animals. Yeah, yeah some rabbits. A few stuff. cases of humans. I yeah. know of at least one, a sixteen-year-old boy who got right. it in twenty sixteen. But before that, there were four right. the right. previous year. There were tw- some in twenty fifteen, some in twenty fourteen. This couple though, that, that you were talking about, they're a pretty famous case because right. they brought it to New York at kind of the worst time to bring right. disease to New York. Husband and wife, John Toll and Lucinda Marker. I and you can look them up, too. and there's yeah. stuff on Right, they have a website, and I think, yeah. I want to read their book. I, um, but, I mean, what a horrible thing. That's just life rolling the dice for you right there. Yeah, do just, you, yeah. uh, have yeah. you ever gone through periods where you were, like, afraid of getting the plague out here? Like, the thing I've been more afraid of, and I wish Nora was here talking about hantavirus, is hantavirus. Because mm-hmm. I love to crawl around in abandoned buildings and True. stuff. And you yeah. always find, you know, rat droppings and... You know, yes. evidence of rats and mice and other rodents and things like that in buildings. And and every time I'm like, well, I'm going to get the hantavirus now. Like, that's it. Jeez, you know, yeah. it's over for me. I love to crawl inside this this hollow rock spire into Harris Canyon. And it's the same thing every time there. And I just, yeah. you know, it, it just it makes me super paranoid. And fact is, it's. It's very possible. Right. But right? you don't worry about like fleas or anything like I that. I worry about everything. I'm pretty sure I have the plague right now as we're as we're talking about <laughs> this do, stuff. You kind of got a sore throat. You have a boobo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I, it's I, just kind of a fun word to say. Uh, yeah. Boobo. Probably yeah. not so fun to have. I sure. remember when I was a kid, I would come out for the summers in New Mexico, and there were two things that I remember just giving me the absolute fear of death. One was a bunch of convicts escaped from the the uh, New Mexico penitentiary, oh. and we lived you know fairly close to it. And I remember Grandma had us all sleep in the living room, and Grandpa had a shotgun. I think I remember that. <laughs> was that like the mid nineties or something? Um, this was probably the. Uh, it might have been like 1989, 1990. Okay. 1990 okay. would be my thought. Huh. Huh. Don't remember it exactly. But the other thing was one year there was. Um, a little girl in Santa Fe got the the black plague uh, and she died of it. Oh man. And I remember my grandmother put flea powder around all like all over the yard, mm. you know? She had like 2 acres and so there were a bunch of like little burrows of ground squirrels and so forth. And so she put flea powder around their burrows and I uh I remember going to sleep at night feeling um psychosomatic fleas crawling around oh, on my flesh. I can feel them right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like yeah. I was sure that I was being bitten by <sighs> fleas all night long and that they or were going to give me the black plague. But. Man, I am embarrassed to say this, but I was living in Guatemala once and I got fleas really bad. <laughs> I got bitten by like a thousand fleas in one night. And I went to the drugstore and it was a little different there. The guy made me like take my shirt off in the drugstore so he could look at the flea bites and oh, okay. stuff. Yeah. And... 
It was very weird. But I mean, like I was so paranoid about all that stuff. It was just, man, <laughs> ugh, life is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's you know it's a strange thing that we live with here. But I think that's part of the appeal of this place. You know, I know this is a podcast it's a about Albuquerque. Strange wildness. It is. It's um, like like you might get the plague. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, it's like I'm trying. To, I can't remember the name of this comedian, but he was talking about how like everyone's worried about a recession. I've been in a recession for 20 years. Yeah. I feel like New Mexico is kind of that that's same true. way a little bit. Like, oh no, what if America collapses? It'll be like. Yeah. Here, everywhere else, right? <laughs> yeah. They say that the the yeah. uh, the depression right. of the '30s did uh, not hit here very hard interesting. because interesting. we were already really poor. Right, right. Kind of the same thing with the the uh, the housing recession. I mean, you, yeah. you didn't feel it in the way that a place like Phoenix felt right, in uh, right. Los Angeles. You know, it's like yeah, everything here always kind of kind of right. depressed already, kind of recessed, kind of depressed. Man. I you know, I don't know. I'm freaked out about a lot of people who live here, but I also think, you know, for the most part, like, I think we're like a community of survivors. We're like a scrappy little place, you know? <laughs> we are. I like, yeah. you know, I think like, and, and I also think like, people are like pretty nice and caring here. Every time I've ever been like first on an accident scene or something like that, a bunch of other people always showed up and tried to help at the same time too, you know? Like, it's, there's, it's, we've got, I don't know. I don't see like a, you know, a Kitty Genovese story type happening here where like just everybody ignores somebody hurting, you know? I think people instead would be like, what's going on, man? This is is messed up. I want to get in here. You know, what I've I've read is that we don't typically have random violence or Mm. stranger uh, stranger induced violence. Interesting. What we have is family violence here. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of stuff that happens within family. That's sad, too. I know, but... It does mean that if you're, family, yeah, yeah, you don't have to worry about the people like Watch walking down your street. Everybody. You know, it's yeah. just it's the people you live with. So, oh man. On that note, should yeah. we talk about what next episode's going to be? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, some people say another plague upon the land is graffiti. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a very tenuous connection. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, but We're I happen to about have a couple of articles about graffiti. Graffiti that, in that New Mexico in, and Albuquerque. In Albuquerque, okay. yeah, that, that could uh, tie into this. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, I don't think it's a plague. I think, I, well, I mean, on some level, I guess you could say there, there's good and bad things of it. Just like, it, to me, it's, a, it's an expression of a people. It's it says how things are in a certain place, and so you're gonna have good and bad voices. You're gonna I think have. We could start with the Texas flag yeah. mural because I think that's nice. an excellent example nice. of people claiming space. Okay, huh? And it's like, whose space is it? Right, you know, right. Is it? There was, well, anyway, we're going to talk about There was that a mural later. of the Texas flag that was vandalized here yeah. in town. Uh, we're going to talk about that. There's a history with us in Texas oh, yeah. that I think uh, we can at least touch on. We could probably expand on much that later. That should be an episode, too, yeah. And I'd like to, uh, maybe we can put out a call for anyone who is a, uh, a graffiti proponent. Mm. So I feel like I can pretty much uh, voice the anti-graffiti. Are you anti-graffiti? Well, I'm anti-certain huh? types of graffiti, oh, okay. for sure. Huh. Um, I don't like seeing tags. Like, you know, you like, I look on my back wall sometimes and somebody's mm. tagged it and I don't sure. like it. You okay. know, it makes me mad. Interesting. Um, whereas you see like a beautiful mural that's gone up and, yeah. uh, you know, I can very much get behind that. But when yeah. it's just somebody's name or like a crude drawing it's or a, whatever. It's an interesting thing. Kevin Hill, who's a local artist, I like, he has a, uh, a really nice mural on the side of the launch pad right now. And it's just tagged all to hell. That yeah, that kind of bums that. me out a little that. bit. I'm yeah, like, it did you know, too. Me too. You know, yeah, like that's that beautiful landscape. Yeah, it's like purple and pink, and you know, full of sunset colors and stuff. It, it's 
you know, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a nuanced, interesting discussion worth having. So I'd like, to, I'd like to put a call out for somebody who'd like to, uh, you know, really advocate yeah. for, uh, yeah. for graffiti. Or if you're really, really, really against it and you can state your case eloquently, go for it. Yeah, that'd be yeah. good too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to do, talk to somebody maybe who who uh, participates in that. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. That realm. Um, so if you've made it all the way through this podcast right. and you're that person, give us a give us an email, give guys, us a Facebook give, message, give us a break. We're getting back into the swing of things here. No, I think it turned out good. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right. I like Ty. It's so fun to hang out with you, man. I love this podcast. This, I wish yeah. Nora was here. Well, uh, Nora will be back. It's probably going to be a, a couple of weeks before we see Nora again yeah. or hear Nora again, but uh, she will be back. I know All that right. she's a, a popular addition to yeah. our uh, to our lineup. So One of just, these days we'll figure out Skype. Just so you know, we didn't fire her. Oh, hey, we should also mention that we did an event that went really well we, with uh, Dime Stories. We did our great event for yeah. Dime Stories. Yeah. Um, we raised some money for the ACLU. We donated it. Mm-hmm. 400 plus bucks. We lost the audio. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. exactly know yeah. we, what happened. We, Ty. Ty lost the audio. It was, <laughs> it was a bit of a... I don't think we've cursed all this episode, so I don't want to curse him. Back. I, That's I was skeptical. A cluster that. F. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was good. We had, we had a lot of great people. So we want to yeah. thank the, uh, the Dime Stories cluster people cuss. who are... Uh, who participated, and um, you know, we're, we'll we'll try to do something again. That's maybe maybe we'll have some of them come in who can. It was fun, you know. Read a, read into the microphone mm-hmm. here, and we can actually like record what they had to say. People read good stories, short you know? stories, and short essays about yeah. living in Albuquerque, and it was fun. Uh, it was just a nice happen happening. I had too much to drink. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, you know that happened. <laughs> yeah, and the, and we raised money for the ACLU. So. That was so cool. When, you know, yeah. I hope we can do some yeah. more things like that. Yeah, soon. It's, um, raise your voices, people. Like you know, what any way you can you can think to make the world better, do it. All right. Um, let me uh, speaking of making the world better. Let me remind everybody that we have a Patreon account. And I am now going to take a moment here to thank the people who have donated to our Patreon account. Our most recent uh, patron is Amy Nevitt. Thank you, Amy Nevitt. We've got Noah Patterson, Julie Bannerman, Christopher Suski, Courtney Fitzgerald, oh. Farrell M. Smith, Roland Pentia, and Isaac Clark all uh, lined up on our Patreon account. And um, hey, come check it out. Just look up City on the Edge podcast, uh, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks to all of you. That's and, uh, you know, you can uh, you can be a part of this, too. Um We've got some T-shirts now. We've got uh, sticker packets. Mm. Um, we'll probably be adding some new gifts pretty soon. Pretty soon here. So that's a www.patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n, dot com slash city on the edge. Make sure you put the http colon backslash backslash. No, that's a front very, slash. Oh, the front slash. Front, front slash. slash. Front slash. You hardly ever see a backslash oh, oh, in really? the wild okay. anymore. All right. All right. Not since the DOS days. Yeah. All right. And make sure you you log in to AOL. And just, you know. All right. All right. Man, I'm really happy anyone's out there and anyone's listening. I'm really happy with the response we've got. It's really cool, Um, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, podcast to you later. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.